0: Night after the wonderful time that we had at uh, Patty and Ernest's, and we were driving home and we turned on the radio to CBC. We listened to vinyl tap for a little bit. Are you familiar with uh, vinyl tap? Yeah, it's nice. And so he chooses theme. So last night's theme was freedom. And he dedicated to the people who were presently not free and of course john cash figured in amongst the uh, songs there of course uh, but i was thinking some of these songs they were not memorable <laughs> and they will not be known a hundred years from now but let me tell you the theme that we sing about Will matter forever. And it's not a matter of opinion. It is actually grounded in our confidence in Jesus who gave his life blood for us and demonstrated his power over death. And so our confidence in, is in him. So what a wonderful privilege to sing. But to sing, God is good. And God is good, and so we commit ourselves. To to following him. Today we'll be talking about baptism. Now it's interesting how we in English have a way of multiplying words and sometimes confusing the issue and so we have this wonderful word baptism. Now baptism is important but if you were speaking Greek what would you understand by baptism immersion now we'll talk a little bit about mode in a bit it's not going to save you but it's just important to know that uh, we're talking about being immersed, dumbed, overwhelmed in the life of God and that's what we're symbolizing so when we sing half-heartedly well, yeah, maybe, maybe we're just dabbling our toes rather than immersing ourselves in the reality of our life in Christ. And so we follow Jesus, and so there are lessons for us in this matter of baptism. I remember a number of years ago, we were baptizing a fair number as uh, we were growing the congregation in Mindamoya on Manitoulin Island. And I had a call from a particular lady who wanted to talk to me about baptism as she's beginning to talk. She begins by telling me, I have never had my face underwater in all my life. And here she was, she was 50 years old or so. And at that point I thought, that was was old. But (laughs) I've I've learned a little different now. Uh, And so she's telling i think oh she's going to tell me i can't be baptized i can't be immersed and then she says but you know i don't want to stand before my savior and say to him well i was afraid to get my face wet and so this lady had a a great confidence that god would somehow Save her even through the waters of baptism and she wouldn't drown. Now, we didn't drown her. She survived and she celebrated and she experienced God's blessings. Now, you know, there is a mode of baptism which really helps some. So, when you have a good deal with really difficult cases, what you do is you dump them three times and you let them up twice. And that's all it is. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But uh, we're not a tradition that uh, dunks three times, we only dunk once. It seems that we're uh, maybe a little closer to the uh, pattern, the image of being buried with Christ. You know, we three times, that's kind of a strange kind of procedure. But we're not really interested in modes or procedures. We're really interested in the heart of the matter and why we absolutely need to be obedient to Jesus. So what is baptism? It's a symbol. It's a visible sign of an invisible reality, that invisible reality being our new life in Christ being dead to sin, being alive to God, being raised to new life in Jesus. It is an outward sign of an inward change. Now, can you all see the picture of that graduation diploma? That's my son, or grandson, Frank. And you see how many of those shiny stickers are on that? You see that? Are you counting them? Nine? Oh. Three, Nine. Now, only one of those is the official one that says he graduated. All the others were added because of distinction in these other things. So, like music and history and geography and math and French and so on. And those are all indications of his distinction. So, am I proud of him? Pretty, pretty proud of him. I'd be proud of him if he didn't have any stickers as well. But proud that he is using the gifts that God has given him, and he's doing well, and he's a fine, young, 13-year-old gentleman. Let me tell you, who loves Jesus, who is a, a joy to his parents and his grandparents. But what's that about? Those stickers mean nothing. I mean, I can go out and buy a diploma. And stick a bunch of stickers on them. But what will it mean? Nothing. It is a sign, a symbol of an invisible reality. His work in school, his having made it thus far. And so baptism is the sign appointed by God for you and me to show that we have begun following Jesus. And so, the great conclave that will gather forever and ever will be made up of people who've been baptized. You want to be there? I want to be there, I will be there, God willing, and I won't have to duck the question. I was obedient to him in this, not in everything, still on that same journey that you are. But let's understand that it is an act of obedience an act of faith an act of love and when we are obedient to the lord in it there is a blessing attached because we are being obedient to him now you know in the account that was read for us just a few moments ago that the lord jesus approached john the baptist john the baptist his forerunner his cousin in fact and uh, a tremendous ministry of baptism for the forgiveness of sins upon repentance repentance being turning towards god and away from sin and you see that john did not have nice words for the religious leaders they were really good they knew their bibles better than you and i you knew their Bibles. didn't matter they went to all the right meeting not the point it is about understanding that this is your relationship with God
1: your relationship
0: with God is not your birthright they of course would say we're Jews we're the children of Abraham we are part of the covenant. We experienced uh, circumcision as a sign of that. This is the sign given to Abraham. So we're good with God. And John's preaching is all about you are not good with God unless your relationship is right with him. And your relationship with God is demonstrated in righteousness. That is doing good towards others and being good with God. It's as, as fundamental as that. So, whatever else we say, when we are not living lives of obedience and righteousness, we are not honoring what God has made us for. So, Jesus shows us the way in baptism. John was his advancement. And Jesus wants to endorse. John's ministry, so how does he do it? He simply says, John, you're going to baptize me because I am wanting to put my seal, that this is a ministry from God, that you are a prophet sent from God, and so I am going to submit to the waters of baptism. Of course, John was preaching a message of repentance. And repentance is absolutely essential. uh, 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 And repentance is not feeling bad as much as it is getting turned in the right direction. So when you pull out of the driveway in a little while, about 3 o'clock this afternoon, (laughs) you're going to point the front end of your car to go out. right? What's going to happen to the back end? It'll be still stuck in the parking lot. Absolutely not. It's going to follow. And so you see, this is about getting ourselves turned towards God and discovering that as we turn towards God, that we, in fact, are turning our backs on sin. Sin being our alienation, estrangement from God, and, of course, our disobedience to God. And so this is still what the Lord Jesus teaches us. You cannot be alive in your relationship with God unless you repent. That is, you turn towards God. You can't have a living relationship with him unless you engage him, unless you listen to what he is saying. Now, let's pick up the point about did Jesus need to report? Repent? Absolutely not. But you see, this wonderful truth, and it's there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So even in this, he is taking upon himself our reality. We've messed up. We've missed the mark. All of us. Even today. Even me. (laughs) Isn't that just terrible? Yeah, it is. But thank God that's God's provision. Is more than sufficient so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, so that when God looks at me, God looks at you. When you're in Jesus, who does he see? He sees Jesus in his perfection. As we saw in the scripture, Hebrews chapter 4, that we have a high priest who's like us in every way, so that he can sympathize. He gets what your life and my life is like. But he was without sin. In other words, he didn't drown the way you and I are drowning. What kind of a rescuer would that be if that rescuer jumped in and drowned with the rest of us? Not much. I'm so thankful that he indeed lived life without sin. Now, In reading the account, you see how John is really uncomfortable because he knows that Jesus does not need to be baptized and that Jesus is in fact so far above him in his worthiness, in his standing with God, that he says, Lord, I should be baptized by you. Now, you don't get it necessarily because, again, this is Greek that we should be reading. And he happens to use an imperfect tense here to describe it. He kept saying to Jesus, it's an imperfect, it means he kept on saying, Lord, I'm not worthy. You should baptize me. But Jesus insists. In fact, he says, I'm not even worthy to untie your sandal. How low is that? You know that the sandal was again the symbol of the lowest part of the body. And that was not a great honor to be at that end. But here we have John who is saying, listen, I am so low, I am not even in the same room, the same galaxy with you. Jesus says to him, now John, let it happen to fulfill all righteousness. And so he endorses John's baptism as from God. That's the whole point. It's from God. And so we want to fulfill all righteousness. We want to do what is right before God. Amen? If we don't want to, what are we doing here? And so he's saying... By this, I endorse John's ministry. I put my seal on what he has done. In fact, I will actually continue to expand it. And he is teaching you about the importance of water baptism as a symbol of the invisible chain. But I am the one who brings that chain. So Jesus identifies with us, he certifies John's baptism as the appointed sign, but he makes it clear in this that it is really a matter of the heart, that is, of what's happening in the core of our being. So baptism doesn't mean very much if it doesn't affect our core. You can get to a certain age and say, yeah, I'm doing this, but if it isn't really about you expressing your relationship god we're not fooling god we might fool our parents our brothers our sisters maybe others in the congregation that we want to impress but no, we're not fooling god we want the real thing And so baptism needs to reflect that our relationship with god our declaration affects how we live and who we follow And of course what do we see in the early church? The day of Pentecost. Peter is preaching. And he preaches a doozy of a sermon. And he says at a certain point in the sermon. God has made this Jesus. Who you crucified both Lord and Christ. Man that's laying it on pretty heavy isn't it? Who crucified Jesus? We did. By our sin. And then the people ask, what shall we do? Look at Peter's answer. Repent, that is, turn and be baptized. That's the outward symbol. That's the seal that what, of what you're doing internally. Every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Oh, that's John's preaching. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see that it is as we turn towards God, become alive towards Him, that God does His part and brings the reality of His life into our lives. And let's note for sure that this is the pattern over and over again. Repentance, water baptism, forgiveness of sins, and the gift of the Spirit are all aspects of the beginning of our new life in Christ. Praise And we see here God's part and our part in it. So, the promise is for you and your children, he says, and for all who are far off. Aren't you glad this is in here? Because we happen to be the ones who are far off. And every generation has the privilege of entering into that living relationship with the living God. Acts 2.40, with many other words, he preached until 6 o'clock the evening. He wanted them, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were, what? They were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Praise God. The beginning of the life of the church. Now, as Pastor Ernest has already indicated, Paul has a great deal of good teaching on the nature of baptism and its symbolism. Romans chapter 6 is a really good place to go. And so he begins the chapter by saying, shall we go on sinning that gracefully abound? And Paul says, absolutely not. You don't get it. Because we are saved by grace doesn't mean that we simply go on sinning so that God can show us grace. And he says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Or if we're dead, dead, we're dead to sin. That means we don't continue our life in sin. We are buried with Christ and raised to a new life in him. And we're given the capacity to live in a way that pleases God. Verse 11 In the same way, count yourselves deficit. In other words, this is a rational choice. This is a decision we make to live differently. And that counts today, friends. Don't sl- simply slip into a laziness about your spirituality and simply react To what other people do. You live your life onto Christ. So you count yourself dead onto sin. And you don't go back. Yes, Lord, thanks for the gift of forgiveness. Because I do fall back. But count yourselves dead to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. Thank you that you hear us as we pray. Thank you that you hear us as we sing. That you see us as we go about our daily business that you are interested in every part of us, not so that you can catch us doing wrong, but so that you can help us live a life truly worthy of the word life. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desire. Do we understand what baptism symbolizes? It really does symbolize a radical change from death to life. Death to sin and to self and new life in Christ and unto Christ. So we experience that and we do it with great joy. We're reminded that we are no longer slaves to sin. We don't have to sin. But we are given the grace that is a free gift to live differently. How do we access that gift? Pray. Pray, I taught you that really long and complicated prayer when you're facing temptation. Lord, no. Lord, no. How many times a day do I say it? A lot. How about you? Forget, especially when you are in that moment when you are feeling feeling particularly tempted. And we see that the Father puts his seal on Jesus at this point. And this is, of course, at the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus. You'll know that in the next chapter, we see Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted by the evil. one, And that is part of that uh, inauguration into his public ministry. But at his coming out here, as he's coming up out of the water, at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A wonderful revelation. Because you see, it explains, first of all, my god is love because he has love within himself because you require a relationship from him but it also shows how god has made every provision for us in our journey to be complete in so the seal of the father and of the spirit we have a pattern of blessing we want to live a life of blessing and that life of blessing ought to begin with the symbol that he has appointed which is baptism and we need to ask ourselves if we're struggling with this will i please the father in this or will i please myself do i value his affirmation affirmation because he gives his affirmation to us just as surely as he did to jesus in that moment and will I emulate Jesus, will I serve Jesus in this and in all things. So I come back to what the word means. There are actually three very different words in Greek for sprinkling, pouring, and immersion. So if we're going to be exact, we should just translate the word baptism by immersion. But of course, church history has a way of developing a life of its own. And so we've had uh, some uh, di- diversity and some drift. And you'll say, well, does one mode of baptism over another matter? Well, it seems to me that if the Lord said, immerse, birth, we don't, that maybe it's a good thing that we actually do what he says. I understand how we got here. I know church history. I understand that in some places, water's pretty rare. So you might go and have him sprinkling or pouring as a concession, but it's a concession. So if I have the opportunity to do exactly what he asked, I'm gonna do We know that the thief from the cross was not saved, was not taken to paradise because somebody ran up and sprinkled him or doused him with water. As he simply declared his confidence in Jesus. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So I ask you, what am I going to say to the Lord? If I know this and I'm not obedient. But I was done as a child. Yeah, thank the Lord for the faith of your parents. Now, let me tell you, I have some very, very fine Pedobaptistic friends, that is Presbyterians and the like. In fact, uh, I would be so pleased to have my brother Steve Taylor, who I went to graduate school with, he involved in any ministry I was involved in. He's Presbyterian. We had some knockdown, drag out uh, discussions on this particular talk. But the reality is, Scripture's clear. It is. And so, I will love him. I will work with him. He doesn't get it. That's okay. That's between him and the Lord. But let me tell you if you're getting it, you just be obedient. Amen? I'll tell you about my friend Barney. Barney, this is in the Elmira Church. Barney, uh, from a Christian Reform background. If I told you his name, you'd say, oh, yeah, that's definitely Dutch. All right? And that's good. But uh, what I did was I gave him a little book, a Baptism Crimmer, that I prepared. And I said, so you right, work your way through this. It's got a 100 or so uh, true and false or multiple choice questions. What does the scripture say? You answer what the scripture says, you where you end up. So I thought, okay, at the end of this, we'll meet together, we'll talk. And uh, so I get there, and he says, no, I'm convinced when can I get baptized (laughs) and he just recognized that that was what the scriptures taught so he was going to be obedient to it now my friend Steve didn't understand and that's okay. God loves him I love him but let me tell you if you understand and you know what the teaching of scripture is then just be obedient to the Lord in the waters of baptism and God will it's not a denial of what you experienced earlier. It's not a denial of what you're, the faith of your parents. It's just a clarification. We go on. We grow. We all do. So, it's not about the moment. It's about life in the spirit. And so here we need to understand what the Lord is, is teaching. It is meant to... Teach us that this is an immersion into the life of God in which we're flooded overwhelmed deluged by the reality of the power of God and it takes the power of God to give us new life because we are dead in our trespasses and sin did you hear that we are dead in our trespasses and sin Ephesians Chapter two is very clear that we are dead. And what does it take to bring new life? But the power of God, and He is the one who is able to stand before the grave of Lazarus. Lazarus dead four days physically, and of course his friends and his family are saying, "Lord, don't open the tomb. It's going to stink." And he stands before the tomb. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes forth. So let's understand that baptism of the Spirit is about being overwhelmed and having this new life. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul is giving some clear teaching on the nature of this baptism of the Spirit. He says, the body is a unit." Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were what? All baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. He is talking about using a different metaphor for this same experience. Not only is it external, like a tremendous washing by a tsunami, it is in fact like imbibing, drinking the life of God. It is impossible to be alive in Jesus without having received the Spirit who gives us new birth. Remember the promise back on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus and you will receive the Spirit. In other words, this is how we receive. It. We receive his Spirit at the new birth. So Jesus promised the Spirit, and you'll look at the book of Acts and you'll say, oh yeah, but I see something a little confusing. I see something staged. I see some dramatic signs, and yes, those are realities. But if you look at it, every one of them is about the beginning of life in Christ. So on the day of Pentecost, this was the beginning of life in Christ. In Acts chapter 8, this is the inclusion of a new people group, the Samaritans. And so likewise, it is accompanied by dramatic signs. But this is about the work of the Spirit applying the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 10, this is the Gentiles being incorporated. And for us, Acts 19, it's a little strange because John's disciples aren't terribly common, but they were an important part of what God had been doing. And so we see here Luke telling us very specifically that the disciples of John are also specifically included. So we need to keep moving on and finish up before three o'clock. And what we see is that baptism is, in fact, a formal obedience, but it is representative of a pattern of obedience. It's to fulfill all righteousness. I'm good with that. How about you? To fulfill all righteousness. It is the outward sign of an inward change. And so it is, in fact, the very, very epitome of obedience. What will you do in relation to God? Less trust and obey is the only way to live. Faith without works is dead, we read. And I, I sometimes use the word obedience in the place of works. Because faith without obedience is dead. That's what the essence of it is, as we read in James chapter 2. So now we get to the end. Is there a command to obey? Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to take hold of? This applies in so many ways, but how about in this matter of following the Lord Jesus? Following the Lord Jesus into the waters of Baptism. God bless you. Thanks again for your love. Thanks for the privilege of knowing you, of serving you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did not stand in pride and say, well, John, you need, to, uh, you need to be baptized by me. Rather, he said, let's fulfill all righteousness. I'm going to show you the pattern of humbling myself before my Father, uh, of identifying with the human race in its need, in its Losses. Thank you Lord Jesus for setting the pattern, for setting the servant's pattern of humility and of love. And today, oh Lord, wherever we are in our journey, whether it relates to baptism specifically or in general, we want to say, Lord, we want to serve you, we want to honor you, we want to show our love. Whatever it takes, Lord, whatever you ask, because we want to fulfill all righteousness.